Hello, and welcome to the Christ Table Podcast, a Bible study for those who struggle with digging into the Bible, but who want to develop a richer faith, one with some being on its bones. I'm Kevin Young, a media guy turned minister who is passionate about helping others thrive, especially spiritually. If you're unaware, Christ Table is a movement of people returning the church to her roots, in homes, around tables, over food with old friends and fresh conversations. Check us out over at www.christtable.today. In the meantime, our study continues on the topic of Honest Advent. We'll be focusing on Mighty today as we look deeper into Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Let's dig in. Today, we are continuing through a multi-day study as we look a little bit more deeply into this Old Testament passage, which has become a traditional part of our Christmas experience. And that is, <laughs> that's the wrong title, actually, for the verse there, the wrong reference. It says Philippians 2, 5 through 8. That's actually the other verses for today. This verse is actually found in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. So, uh, yeah, not Philippians, Isaiah chapter 9. Verse six, the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Yesterday, we talked a little bit about wonderful counselor. Feel free to go back and look at that. But today we're focusing for just a moment on this idea of a mighty God. Now, those in some sense to me when I first read it sound um, sound a bit like platitudes. And maybe all of these do because it's so become a part of the Christmas verbiage for us to say wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, that we just say these words, but we don't really think so much about what they mean. And if we think about what they mean, we might think about what they meant in biblical times. But I wonder how often we actually reflect on words, phrases, thoughts, theologies like this, and really reflect on how the impact is for us for me today where i am growing up um we were oftentimes kind of discouraged from thinking about how the bible or theology impacts me personally it was almost like you were being selfish to say well how does this affect me what does this mean for me but i think that the whole reason that god created us and the whole reason why Jesus came to us, and the whole reason why the Bible was left for us, these writings, so that we can know how important we are to God, not just in theory, but in practice, in reality, how important every moment of your life is for God. The Bible says uh, that if God cares for the lilies of the field, if God cares for the small things in life, he certainly cares for you and for us as well. So today, what does that mean for us to have a mighty God? I think of the word mighty, and sometimes I think that we can over-spiritualize words and ideas and concepts. We can think of God in mighty ways. As, um, his grace is mighty. His love for us is mighty. His care for us is mighty. His compassion for us is mighty. His ability to overcome things is mighty. But but maybe where we should begin is thinking about God and him being mighty 
in a physical sense. Now, um, I'm going to put this up here for just a moment. And just a forewarning for some of you, this is, uh, this is maybe going to trigger you. Uh, some of you may consider this to be irreverent and, um, I'm been nothing in my whole life, if not irreverent. So you should expect nothing less from me. Uh, I found this picture of Jesus. And actually, if you were to Google Jesus and muscle or, or some other similar word, you're, you're actually going to come up with a ton of different pictures and, and actual sculptures, installations of art of Jesus where he is presented in a way where he is um, buff, where he's swole, where he is um, jacked, muscled out. Uh, you know, we look at this, and, and I have to admit, every time I look at this, I kind of look away because it's a little, uh, it's a little awkward. First of all, uh, most people I think probably look at that body type and and think gross, but. Most people probably, even if they don't necessarily think that way, would look at that and think it feels weird or it feels awkward to to think or perceive Jesus in this way. It's not um, it's not generally how we would characterize him. And I wonder I wonder why that is. I, I wonder what it is about the physicality in this that makes us uncomfortable. I'm not certain that the physicality about this picture uh, that makes us uncomfortable is the muscle mass. I think that probably the physicality about this picture that makes us uncomfortable is we are not necessarily inclined to think of Jesus in ways that are physical. Sadly, in a lot of ways, in the Western church and in the modern evangelical churches, we're taught to only think and respond and believe in Jesus in ways that are internal rather than, than external. We think of Jesus more of a spirit. We think of Jesus more as a moral lesson. We think of Jesus more in ways that are intangible than we think of Jesus in ways that are tangible. And if we think of Jesus as being physical in, in any way, if we perceive him as being physical in that way, we're, we're really only comfortable seeing him probably for many of us. Uh, if you're white, maybe even if you're not white, you, you think of him in a, in a European white blonde hair kind of way, a, a man that is probably certainly, certainly not like that. Um, uh, but is probably borderline frail, um, is is pretty much covered from head to toe in some sort of a, a dress or a muumuu. Uh, we're not comfortable thinking of Jesus bodily. Why do I say all of that? Well, maybe it's because of our Puritan or, or Victorian history where we're not comfortable with with the body or with physicality. And I think that's part of it, but I think some of it may be too, because we don't want to think of Jesus or of God as being powerful in a physical way. Uh, thinking of Jesus as being a mighty God and it extending to his 
physicality and not just his mental, spiritual capacity can be a bit uncomfortable for us. I get a bit of that uncomfort myself. I love fitness. I I love working out. And one of the things that I've realized is this idea of being a pastor and being into fitness, the, the intersection of those two things causes a lot of religious people discomfort. And so I kind of get this from the Jesus side of things because I kind of experience the same thing as well. Why is it important though that we wrestle with and face the physical Jesus and the importance of the physical Jesus, not just the spiritual or, or the divine part of Jesus. Well, and here's where that reference should be. Philippians chapter two, verses five through eight. The writer Paul in his letter to a church at Philippi kind of walks through some of that when he says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus has. So what he's about to say to us, Paul is saying, you know, what we see in Jesus, you need to reflect. This needs to be a part of who you are. So everyone's kind of leaning in on the edge of their seat right now in that church in Philippi. Paul says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. So Paul has given us kind of a clue here that he's saying, though Jesus was God, he didn't think equality with God as something to cling to. So Paul's saying, you know, we're going to set aside all of the benefits, the non-physical benefits of being God, all of these attributes of what it means to be God, maybe the omniscience, all-knowing, um, omnipresent, everywhere, uh, omnipotent, all-powerful. Let's maybe set aside all of those omnis, all of those all things that God is, and let's look at a different part of God Because Jesus said, you know, I can set aside all of those wonderful things in order to take on something in a different way, something new, something different to God. So there it is. Instead, so Paul is saying all of this is one way, but Jesus, Jesus actually thought that something else was as important or or maybe more important than clinging on to those things. So he gave up all of his divine privileges. And this is the story of Christmas right here. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And and Scott, I think in today's chapter, chapter 15 on Mighty, just kind of wonderfully uh, points out what it means for Jesus to take on human form. And one of my favorites, uh, let me see if we can, we can see this here. Yeah. Uh, Jesus had a butt and it got wiped. At least I hope that it got wiped. I know it needed to be wiped. Jesus pooped. Irreverent, right? Irreverent. Some of you are like. Jesus was human. He let go of all of the divine privileges that didn't require him to have his butt wiped by somebody else. And decided to be born as a human being. Talk about a humble position. If you had the ability to right now go through the process of being reborn, would you willingly choose to go through those early stages again? Knowing what you now know, would anyone subject themselves to that? 
In fact, as Scott points out, we we try to avoid that, even though at the end of our days, we kind of return to that oftentimes. Um, I walk by the depends aisle and I say, you know, that's that's coming for me. It comes for all of us. If we live long enough, the fact that we will have to take somebody else and allow them to take care of us. It's vulnerability. Jesus became vulnerable. He willingly chose vulnerability. Vulnerability and mighty. It takes a mighty person, a mighty God, to willfully choose vulnerability. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Why? Why did he do those things? Well, that's the story of the rest of his life, the work of a mighty God on your behalf and on my behalf. I love this. Scott says it, and I think it's worth repeating that Jesus is mighty, not because of his capacity to overcome hardship, but because of his willingness to go through it. Jesus overcame a lot of things. He overcame his family not believing in him and who he was and what he was called to do. He overcame many people in his community that, in fact, tried to throw him over a cliff because they thought he was crazy. He overcame Herod, trying to kill him off out of jealousy and fear. He overcame problem after problem after problem, not to mention the overcoming of the becoming, the incarnation, becoming God in human form. But Jesus is mighty, as Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says. He is a mighty God, not because of his capacity to overcome hardship, but because of his willingness to go through it, because he willingly chose. And you are mighty as well. Not because you surmount every single problem that comes into your life. You are mighty as well, not because of all of the things that you've done or won or beaten, though that may be true. You're mighty because you have chosen to wake up every single day and face the world. You are mighty because you have chosen to follow a God who is willingly and willfully vulnerable. And you are mighty whenever you choose vulnerability for simply being willing to go through this life and go through this life as best as is possible in lockstep with Jesus. You in those moments reflect the mighty God as well. And I love this. And with this, we close. Often the only way out is through. It's good to know that we have a mighty God who is there for us, who is mighty not simply because of his capacity to overcome things, but because of his capacity to face things. And you, in what you face, do not face things alone because of Jesus. Because Jesus willingly chose, as Philippians 2 said, to give up those divine privileges. You have a partner in the fight. You have a long sider in the journey. So don't avoid the tough things. You can't. They find you, no matter where you are, go through them, but you're not going through them alone. Often the only way out is through mighty you and mighty God. This Bible study on Honest Advent is brought to you by Christ's Table. If you'd like to join us in the study, there's an easy to follow guide in the show notes. We'd love to have you join us. 
You know, 65 million adults in the United States have dropped out of church, and that number will grow by 2.7 million before the end of this year. We here at Christ's Table are committed to doing something about that. We are committed to creating a world where the table is once again the center of the home, the center of family life, and especially the center of faith formation again. Our mission, that's simple, to help people eat freely and drink deeply of life and of faith. Find out more about us by going to www.christtable.today. And when you get over to christtable.today, be sure to sign up for our email list there. And for those who choose to donate, I've got a resource box that I want to send you in the mail as my thanks. And trust me, you're going to like it. By the way, the podcast is available because of the generous donations of our listeners and the incredible community of people who call Christ Table their spiritual home. Join us on our next episode as we continue our conversation on Honest Advent. And if you'd like to watch these Bible studies live, there's more information on our website about that as well, www.christtable.today. Thanks so much for listening. We wouldn't be here without you. Until next time, I'm Pastor Kevin Young, and this is the Christ Table Podcast.